We are going to get an opportunity to talk to Perdita Felicien in just seconds. Perdita is coming to London November the 14th as part of the Mission Services of London Dinner and Silent Auction. And she'll be talking about her life. And we get an opportunity to do that right now. We'll get to the athletics. Perdita, of course, two-time Olympian, world champion in the 100-meter hurdles. And now, well, life's taken an even different turn. Please welcome to London Live, Perdita Felicien. Perdita, given what uh, what's going on right now and, and all that uh, has changed in your life, how are things going these days? Things are great. I am uh, a new mom five months in, so I'm not getting a lot of rest. But I promise I won't fall asleep on this call. <laughs> but uh, it's been great. Life has been good. It's been about, wow, what, six years since I retired from running track. So it's been an adventure. And now you are working on a book? I don't, I don't know how you become a new mom and, and also <laughs> have a book going at the same time. Unless it's about being a new mom, but I don't think it is. <laughs> no, it's not. It's really It chronicles the highs and lows of my, my racing career, yes. But it also... Deals with um, some things I've never really discussed before. It deals with my mother's immigration story, which was pretty extraordinary. And uh, it also talks about our, you know, early life, which was, you know, reeked with, you know, poverty and just displacement. It was quite tumultuous, and I've never really discussed it. And now it will come out next year with Double Day Canada, and I've been working really diligently on telling the story with uh, with courage and transparency and, and, and dignity. There are not too many hurdlers who can actually say their life was filled with hurdles from the beginning. You, you're somebody who can do that. Yeah, and I think it's pretty ironic because I, you know, even you know, doing a lot of research and, and talking to people from our past, it's like you know, there, there's a bit of an irony to it, but it's also it's, it's perfect, really, because I I had a really great example with my mother about how to overcome obstacles, and then I literally ran them for a living. So there you go. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking with Perdita Felician. Perdita is going to be in London on November the 14th at RBC Place, and she is going to be part of just an incredible night that helps out Mission Services of London. Your mom made the decision to come to Canada did you did you look even as far back as why that was or or how it happened yeah so my mom immigrated from St. Lucia and I didn't know for a long time about my mother's early life and you know I got little bits and pieces as we do as children right like you one day you realize oh my god my my parent is not necessarily the superhero or this this adversary at times but they're actually human right like we all I think come to that conclusion in our minds as we become adults ourselves and so when I was kind of, you know, growing up, I would hear these little stories about my mom's life. But essentially, she came to Canada. She she had less than a grade seven education. She came to Canada. I wasn't born yet, but she came to Canada when she met a, a quite wealthy white couple from Whitby, Ontario, and Ontario, who were vacationing in St. Lucia. They happened to have a three-month-old baby, and they were there for two weeks. And she essentially walked up to them and said, hey, you need a babysitter? And they said yes. This is different times, right? It's the 70s, so times are quite different. And that essentially opened the door for her to come to Canada. Now, it was an uphill climb. It was it was very difficult. And there is times where she had to be sent back, and she couldn't stay. She really had to find a way to stay in Canada. Uh, she gets pregnant with me. I wasn't planned. My dad doesn't stick around. And that really starts the saga for us. So I saw um, I was part of this climb, essentially, to a better life with my mother. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where I'm a mother now and I understand how difficult it is, but some of the decisions my mom made, 
I don't know how she did them. I don't know that I would try and stick around and make a life in a country that is so different um, than my own. So, Perdita, if you could maybe take us back to that part of your life. You're very young and you're able to make use of a shelter. What's something that stands out to you about that time? I remember opening this huge fridge and there's all this food in the fridge. Could you imagine? There's all this food in the fridge and I was allowed to like have it whenever I wanted, right? And that was new. And I would go to take this yellow school bus to, to school and I was the only kid in this massive school bus. And it just was a unique time. And like I said, it took me years until I was much older and I was looking back and trying to put together the pieces of my life to understand, well, we shouldn't be there and we you shouldn't have needed to go there. But I also understand that emergency shelters are essential in our communities, whether it be where I'm from in Durham, Durham region, whether it be London, because the truth is, as much as we try and eradicate this, you know, there will always, always be families, women, men, children in need. And that's really what we're trying to do on the night of the 14th is let people understand that it can happen to anybody. And the face of homelessness is usually one that you might not expect. Perdita Felician with us. As Perdita says, she'll be in London on Thursday, November the 14th at the Mission Services of London Dinner. And this is something that comes up each and every year, and it's a fantastic event. And it's going to be even better this year because Perdita is there sharing her story. Now, you go on to, from there, become a two-time Olympian. You're the first female individual athlete to ever win a medal at the World Championships. I mean, you... you who did so much internationally to put this country on the map in athletics. How did that come about from going through some, some pretty serious tough times as a youngster? Yeah, you know, I, um, I, I had, I don't know if anyone remembers this, but there's this organized standardized physical test all across Canada in schools called Canada Fitness. It is no more, but I, I did really well at it when I was in about grade three. So that and was the excellence. Was that was the excellence. Yes. Gold, silver, bright. Yeah. You remember, Mike? I used to do terrible at it. <laughs> you got the participation pin. You didn't even get on the board. Is that what you're saying? I, I was happy to hit some silvers and a couple golds, to tell you the truth. <laughs> That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So yeah, that was it. And some people might remember. And we're dating ourselves here, but I did really well at that. My gym teachers, Mrs. Arthur's, thought whoa, you're the only child in our entire class to get this level, which was the highest excellence, as you mentioned. And she said, go out for the track team. And I went out for the track team and I made it. And I remember racing home, running home, because I was so excited to make this track team. And I burst through the door. And I remember this day so clearly. My mother was vacuuming. And I yelled, I'm like, mom, 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 I made it for the track team. And I'm waving this piece of paper, which, of course, was the permission slip. And she's vacuuming. And she has this look in her eyes of confusion because she doesn't know what I burst in the door about. She also has no idea what a track team is, right? Because, you know, track and field, organized sport, you know, those sorts of things weren't part of her life growing up in St. Lucia. There was no curriculum for that when she was growing up in the 50s and 60s. And then she sees how excited I am. She realizes what's going on. She's like, that's great, darling. But she has no clue what happens and what that is. And uh, it, it, it starts this adventure for us where... I get introduced to the hurdles later on after, you know, great success in the long jump and 100 meters. Didn't really know how great I was and just started getting recruited to American universities and really wasn't sure if I wanted to go away. And honestly, it was my mother that said, look, 
I know you want to stay here and, and help me and take care of me and help your siblings, but you got to take this opportunity. And she, she essentially pushed me out the door where she could have kept me home, where she's more comfortable, because really we have no blueprint. I'm the first person in my family to graduate university, to even go down that path. And it was, it was scary. It was lonely at times. There's a lot of unknown, but I really wanted to always make my mother proud. Of course, I think that most of us do. Um, but I also wanted to be an example to the people around me. Like we've never, I've never been down this path, but hopefully me starting down this trail will give you one, the courage to do it. And if anything, inspire you, right. To, to find out what your sweet spot is in life and do more with it. So this adventure has honestly might been a crazy one. I look back and it's gone it was more than 10 years, you know, as, you know, I heard they're for Canada and just, it feels like it went so fast. When you were leaving to go to, to go to college, to compete in, in NCAA at the University of Illinois, was it exciting for you to be kind of driving away or, or did you almost say, stop the car? I got to go back. I can't do this. <laughs> you know what? Um, you're asking so great questions. You're, you're mining it, and it's so great because I have to revisit my, my, my mindset at the time. To be honest, when you are the first person in your lineage, right, any woman, any man in my family to do this, it was, it was scary. I'll be honest, it was scary. It was very, very lonely, and I don't think my, my family really understood the kind of pressures and stress that I was on. Yes, physically and emotionally with training, but honestly, it was financial and it was academic, right? There, there was no one really to help. I didn't have the rich uncle. I didn't have the rich mother, right? And that was very difficult. But through it all, thank God for, for my mother's strength and the fact that she had come to this country and worked hard. She understood that it was not something that I could give up. So, yeah, the times that I would call her and be like, Mom, I don't know. I'm not sure. Like, should I stay here? Should I do this? It's so hard. She would be like, no, we are fun. We are good. You get through it. And honestly, I graduated with a degree in kinesiology in 2004. And when my mom came to campus, when I graduated, that was the first time in four years that she'd ever been able to make it to campus. She just didn't have the means and the money to ever make it to Illinois from uh, Pickering, Ontario. But she came the day of my graduation. And after that ceremony, walking across the stage, and as you do, you take off your hat and you throw it in the air and you catch it. But we went back to my little apartment and we just cried in my room. We cried and we cried because we had been through so much. We had been through, you know, domestic violence. We had been through poverty. We have been through homelessness. And to see me, you know, this daughter of a woman from this small little fishing village in Groselay, St. Lucia, make it to the top of that mountain, right? Having a university education and understanding the doors that would open for me, but not only for me, for, for my children, right? We cried and cried and cried. And even to this day, even speaking about it gets me emotional because I saw the pride in my mother's face. And I understand how much gratitude that she had because for her, I was a symbol of sorts, right? And the track and the sport was great, but, but achieving that for her was almost a sense of, I guess I did all right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. How amazing is that? Because you said that, that was 2004 when you graduated. You'd already been to an Olympic Games at that point. Yeah, I had in 2000. 2000 was my very first Olympics in Sydney. I was young, unknown, knew nothing. And uh, it was one thrilling field trip for me, that, that trip. But it wasn't 
I wasn't a threat by any means. I was emerging as a threat, you know, on the on the world stage, but I, I wasn't who I would come to be at the next 2004 Olympics, which, you know, was not, was a very, very difficult time, but it was a time I look back on that I understand, you know, difficult times become wells of strength that you can draw on. Wow. But that moment, you and your mom in your room at the University of Illinois, the tears, everything, that accomplishment was, that was, that was bigger than the Olympics? You know what? I think it was. I think it was. And, and this is what I chronicle in my, in my memoir called um, Gold Medal, and medal meaning fortitude and spirit and courage. It, it really does. Because if we look back on, my mother didn't have a high school education. She would basically she dropped out of school because she had to sell on the beach to tourists, which is how she met the couple that eventually brought her to Canada. And she had to sell on the beach because her family had no means. And so she had to work. And so I looked at how my mother changed the, the future of her children and she never really gave up. So that day we were full of tears. We were full of gratitude and my childhood was way better than my mother's. And you know, I, I, I talked about having a brand new daughter. Her name is Nova. She's five months old. And her childhood will look vastly different than mine. She won't have to stay in an emergency shelter. You know, when she opens up our fridge, there is food in the fridge, right? And it's these things that I realize that, you know, each one of us in life has the opportunity to make an impact, to make a difference. And they can be super big in public, but sometimes they can be really small and private, which is what I'm hoping to convey on the night of the 14th is that every single person in our community does have a responsibility to make sure the people around us, whether we know them or not, have a chance and have a shot and that we all do it with compassion and we do it with, with dignity. And, you know, I am living proof. I am living proof that shelters work and they are needed and they have the ability to make a difference. We're talking with Perdita Felicien, who will be at the 2019 Fall Banquet and Silent Auction for Mission Services of London. Perdita, just one last thing, because you touched on 2004, and you touched on how things things were a difficult time. I mean, you yeah. didn't you you went in there as a big time threat, and unfortunately, it's the hurdles. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you don't make it all the way over a hurdle. But you mentioned that you use that now. How do you use that moment, and and how do you look back at that moment now? Yeah, it's, um, yeah, the 2004 Olympics, you know, like you said, I was the favorite for gold, Olympic gold glory, and came in as the reigning world champion, hit the first hurdle, fall down, it's devastating, and didn't even have a chance really to run the race, it was over in less than three seconds. I was crushed, and I think, Mike, to be completely honest, whenever I talk about it, it will always be the one that got away, it will always prick at my heart, because there I was, the ability to clinch a moment, the ability to have this this tangible symbol and bring it back to my country, bring it back to community to my community, bring it back to my mother and i and I wasn't able to when I look back on it, it is mixed it is it is mixed because that's what you go after, right This is why you you start this is why you do the job is to be at the highest level of sport, which is the Olympics. When I look back on it, I am proud with how I conducted myself. But I never shy away from the fact that it was difficult and it hurt and it will probably always hurt. And when I tell my five-month-old daughter Nova about it in the future, when she asks, I will let her know that the gift and the medal is always in the pursuit. It's always in having the courage to try. It's always in having the courage to stand tall. And for me, when I look back at that time, I had to fight 
to get out of that stupor. I had to fight to get to shed the embarrassment and the shame that it, it held for me. But the truth is, all of us have our own private Athens, right? And they're in the classroom, they're in the boardroom, they're in our homes. But I would hope that at the end of the day, when we all persevere through whatever our personal 2004 Olympic moment is, that we look back on that moment with one pride, because you did it, you got through it, and you will get through it. But it's also, for me, like I've said, it's a well of strength that I know I can always go to and that I can always draw from and that I'm not afraid to share that well, not afraid to share that water with others in hopes that when they reach their own difficult chapter, that they know that they too have the strength to come through it. And I look back on it with mixed feelings, yes, with some sadness, but mostly, Mike, I look back on it and I am, I am proud. As you should be. Perdita, you made this country proud over and over and over again. And, well, the book Gold Medal comes out in a little (laughs) while. You'll be here in London in a little over a month. We'll look forward to that. Thanks so much for spending some time with us this morning. And congratulations. Enjoy your daughter. I will so much. Thanks, Mike. Off I go to hopefully get some sleep because she's quiet now, which means (laughs) something's up. (laughs) See you later. Take care. (laughs) Bye.